0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the monthly series, Back to the Future, in which we discuss the renewed interest in traditional approaches to food, farming, and natural resource preservation. Today, we're speaking with Sylvia D'Amelio, Chief Executive Officer of Trout Unlimited Canada, about the ways individuals and communities collaborate to protect our fresh water and overall ecosystem. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you lovely to have you here. Sylvia, how long has Trode
0: Unlimited existed and how did it come about? Well, Amazingly enough, we're in our 50th year. So we're just celebrating our 50th anniversary, uh, founded in 72. And, you know, it came about when a group of uh, six anglers in the 70s saw some challenges with the loss of aquatic systems and, and water quality. Um, and this was actually in Quebec. And this group of people decided to come together and create an organization that would focus on protecting and enhancing water quality and, and regaining lost habitats. And so that quickly moved uh, to start these. General- and started a new chapter, the first chapter, I guess, ever of the organization in Ontario. Next one was in Alberta, and it just spread coast to coast to coast from there.
1: Wow, what a great story. A small group of individuals, they get an idea and they're going to change something. So six anglers, my dad was in that category, drive up north every year with some of his pals and ice fish and and fish in the summer. And he did also notice a change over his lifespan of just things that were going on differently with the the mm-hmm. waterways so he was always such a strong advocate so it's not a surprise that six anglers have decided to have this incredible vision and so here we are today all
0: these years later 50 years later it's interesting too because as the organization has grown and changed we still have anglers involved i mean they're they're you know at the front line so to speak on these rivers and streams and lakes But more and more homeowners, cottage associations, children's groups, guides, scouts, uh, dog walkers, anyone who gets out there, kayakers, canoeists, have all started joining the cause and helping out. And so while it started with six anglers, the expansion of the audience has been, and the diversity of the audience has been overwhelming. And it's great to see so many Canadians concerned about protecting our aquatic systems.
1: And that, that's that's who we need to protect it, is that range of people that you were talking about, and just the entire spectrum of our family. The youth exactly. and the cottage goers and, and fishers and people who are in the golden years, who are really um, spending a lot of time in the in the waterways. There's something so endearing about the membership and the origins of Trout Unlimited. And what's your
0: mission, Sylvia? Can you expand on that? Sure. Well, the the official mission is to conserve, protect and restore Canada's freshwater ecosystems and their cold water resources for current and future generations. You know, but at the core of what we do is on the ground change. The real nuts and bolts of it is making real change on the ground for Canadians so that we have healthier ecosystems to support our own communities
1: and you had mentioned future generations. And uh, just a, just a tiny detail, what is the difference between the cold
0: water and the fresh water? Yeah, that, that's an interesting detail. I'm glad you're asking. So freshwater systems, obviously, is pretty straightforward. And, you know, everything sort of within the coast, coast to coast to coast of this country is considered freshwater. Um, as biologists and ecologists, we often categorize freshwater systems as warm, cool, or cold. And cold water tends to be the headwaters, the origin of our waterways, Um, the groundwater upwelling, the top sections of the rivers and streams, um, the source waters for lakes. And the reality is those are probably the most vulnerable systems we have. And they're the systems most closely connected to drinking water for a lot of communities as well and resource water. So that's highlighted in our mandate because of its sensitivity and its importance in in our way of life as canadians.
1: Right, okay. Well, thank you for that clarification. It's a helpful way to orient ourselves to to the rest of the dialogue. So definitely an important mission, something that's on everyone's attention, clean drinking water, but also the overall ecosystem. We've just come through a very disappointing and upsetting period with the salmon in uh, Canada's recent history there. So really, really looking forward to all the work that Trout Unlimited Canada is doing, but also finding out more about how anyone listening and myself can help. So some of Trout Unlimited Canada's work involves conserving Canada's freshwater ecosystem. And how's the conservation done?
0: Well, conservation, you know, is done it in a number of ways and that can happen through protection of systems um, that can happen through the restoration of systems and that can happen through the education of systems. Trout Unlimited Canada tackles all three. So we do quite a bit around the protection, um, working with different agencies, different groups to ensure protections of either systems or regions as a whole or specific species, specific features. And then Trout Unlimited Canada also has a, an education arm where we provide educational opportunities at all ages from children all the way up to university level courses in healthy aquatic systems and non-point source pollution and a variety of different things. Um, and then as I mentioned, the, the the real core of what we do on the ground change so in that way you know conserving and protecting the goods and services the ecological goods and services provided by these systems preserving and conserving their the systems resiliency building that resiliency and the ability for these systems to function and therefore the sustainability over time okay so uh,
1: a multifactorial approach to conserving the fresh waterways and the ecosystems that they support very very important and You mentioned, Sylvia, a couple of times, protecting. So a little bit different than conserving, although Mm -hmm. certainly part of it. Can you expand on how Trout Unlimited Canada is helping protect Canada's fresh water and all the life that it supports? And what are some of the Mm -hmm. projects in this area?
0: We view this in a few different ways, and and certainly we work with a a number of different agencies on the protection of critical habitats. And that can happen through legislation, through networks and, and coalitions, but we also work on the protection of these systems through restoration and and I know that sounds like two different things but in an effort to protect critical habitats and critical ecosystems in a changing world. And especially in light of climate change, it requires the restoration of systems to give them the opportunity to buffer these impacts. And so in that way, we're taking protective measures for future change.
1: And can you give us an example of a project? Um, So that's sort of the broad approach, but just put some context to it. Can you give us like an example? What does that protecting look like in a project?
0: Sure, no problem. So a good example would be uh, Town Pond Dam removal in the Sauging River watershed. In this case, you know, protecting the brook trout population. So a native trout population to the area required that we reduce the temperatures so that they are not impacted and not extirpated or not lost as a result of climate change over time. And so the removal of that dam and the renaturalization of the watershed allows for that protection of the species in the longer term. So protection goes beyond just the legislation and the protection measures that are laid out by things like policy and networks. We actually sometimes have to take action in addition to that, and and you know that town pond dam I think is a good example of that.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't have thought of that, but it does make sense that the temperature of the water would be modified as the waterway is modified. And so you mentioned brook trout. Have the brook trout started to you know thrive again? Or
0: yes, absolutely. So the the results of the project from our perspective are pretty exciting. The temperature has dropped. So a lot of ponding when it's man made results in an increase in temperature and a reduction in oxygen, and this impacts not only fish, but bugs and plants and the entire ecosystem downstream. And so a system that naturally is quite cool and maintains a native biodiversity of cool water species or cold water species is negatively impacted by those temperatures. So when we removed the dam uh, in partnership with a a number of groups, we saw immediate drop in temperature so that that still water is no longer heating up, an increase in oxygen, which facilitates growth and development in a number of different species and of course movement of animals upstream so these animals can now connect which also means that if there's some sort of impact to the system where a small group of the pop or small portion of the population is lost because of some incident it can actually that area can be repopulated by the rest of the population or subpopulations elsewhere in the system so you get this movement it's called a metapopulation structure you get this movement of animals through the system which means you're not losing populations because they can move about and help to restore themselves within the system so we've seen all of that happen in the system in short order
1: I think that's such an important message to hear it isn't too late that there is interventions occurring and yes we have a major problem and we do have a lot that we need to do however stories just like what's happened by removing a dam and dropping the temperature of the water and having the whole ecosystem recover I think is really important because it shows us that the efforts do have rewards and they do have results. So as we are more aware, as we make changes, as we agree, you had said there was a number of people involved in the removal of the dam, that project, that we can do it. We can find the way forward together and we should keep going. So great, great, great success with that project. And I know there's so many others. So hopefully listeners will go to Trout Unlimited Canada's website and see all the other great things that are going on. And Sylvia, Trout Unlimited Canada uh, facilitates restoration, which uh, you had mentioned already. What have been some of the greatest successes in this area? Or one of your favorite stories about restoration?
0: That's a long list. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm <laughs> going to try and focus on one. Either the successes are you know coast to coast, and we've realized really great gains. Um, I'll use an example in Ontario for your listeners. There, uh, we had a project on Bronte Creek uh, where we did some restoration work, and this was to renaturalize water. Flows by sculpting a more natural channel in an area that was, that was no longer natural. The the outcomes of that were were really quite phenomenal. Um, first, we were able to reduce impacts of flooding for the community. We were able to improve water quality. So we were you know test taking E. coli samples before and after. So this was in a public park. So we were able to reduce the E. coli that people were exposed to by increasing the flowing water to back to its sort of natural system. Uh, we saw less sedimentation, less less debris being caught up in the system because we. Re- naturalized the way sediment, rocks, stones, cobbles, and sands were being moved through the system more naturally. So the river was able to clean itself. And after we done all of these things uh, and realized all these benefits, and we had new, new recreational uses even, we had kayaking through the zone for the first time ever. Um, we had more opportunities for people to enjoy the property as well. We then found out that we had brook trout back in this reach for the first time in 57 years. And so when we're able to realize all, of these games for the community and then see mother nature react in such a positive way um, you know it's a massive win and then and then i'll take it one step further about five years after that we got a note saying for the first time uh american eel which is an endangered species was found in in that reach as well for the first time ever in history and so you know mother nature responds well sometimes she just needs a helping hand to get there and so to see that these gains don't just happen at the point of restoration they continue year after year after year and so you know if we can just provide that little bit of help in these these systems that need it, Mother Nature can take over and, and keep making those gains. So there's a lot of hope.
1: There is a lot of hope and what a great story of restoration. And also what a great learning experience that as we continue to build cities, infrastructure, whatnot, that we learn from the things that we now know are not helpful to nature or create issues that we can avoid those things. It's not just recovering from some of the things that have been done that we learn from that and don't repeat it and that we find new ways to innovate and achieve the needs, you know, for food and housing and all the things that we need, but we aren't going to do so it. Before. We did it before,
0: yeah. That learning is so so very important, and it's part of the reason that Treadle Limited Canada focuses on on education in aquatic restorations. And that's not just to ensure that we're all doing the best we can when it comes to aquatic restoration, but that we're passing the learnings on for what worked and what didn't work in systems that we're we're seeing, so that you know engineers can advance, so that biologists can advance, so that communities can advance and not make the same mistakes again. But we can grow as a community in Canada,
1: right? And And uh, use that collective knowledge to have a better way forward. I I think that's fantastic. And I can't wait to get back from break. After the break, we'll talk about the ways individuals, families and communities can help protect our waterways and ecosystem with Sylvia D'Amelio, Chief Executive Officer at Trout Unlimited Canada. This is Food for the Future. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist.
0: Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist. You've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. We're speaking with Sylvia D'Amelio, Chief Executive Officer at Trout Unlimited Canada. Sylvia, education, just before the break, you mentioned was a critical component in all of our success, and it's such an important
0: part of change. How can families and farmers find out more about what you do? That's an easy one. Anyone can join can sign up for our newsletter, can follow us on social media. Probably the greatest volume of information on what we do you'll find on social media. Uh, members who join volunteers uh, and, and folks who sign up for our newsletter get, you know, monthly and quarterly content on what's happening, what's been done and opportunities at the organization. And and certainly if you're interested, if someone's interested in volunteering, getting on our volunteer list will give you an idea of what's being done in the area and when you can come out and give a hand or bring your family out and try something new.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And also it helps balance out, you know, sometimes we can get certain type of news and we can be really overwhelmed that to hear that there's also some things being done that are very encouraging is also helping to balance out all the things that we need to navigate. So definitely staying on top of what Trout Unlimited Canada has made available is really, really a great idea. How can people support the work being done at Trout Unlimited Canada? How can we help the
0: work? That can be done in a number of ways. Folks can join, volunteer, and can donate. So funds are always important uh, in getting the work done on the ground, but so is man hours. And so having volunteers to come out and help plant trees, help secure banks, uh, help assess aquatic systems, it's always valuable. And then for, you know the work we do, and for the protection of aquatic ecosystems, another way to support the work being done is to look at your own life and the impact you have. On aquatic systems or maybe the impact that your community or your employer has on aquatic systems and look at ways that we can reduce that impact. So whether it's the use of water in your own home or at work, or it's the impact being had when you're out on the landscape, recreating and reducing that footprint however possible, or encouraging others to get involved in volunteer and uh, charitable efforts with Tread Unlimited Canada or other organizations.
1: So lots of ways to be part of the solution and part of the team, even if it's just that household water usage, being mindful of how we handle materials that we're consuming or using either at work or at home. So that's really good advice so that we can all be part of the team. And in this show, Sylvia, we try to bring the humanities to today's food dialogue. So history, philosophy, creativity. And I'm wondering, how do you see that these ways of understanding the world relate to the work being done at Trout Unlimited Canada?
0: This is a really great question. And it's it's not something I get to talk about often. So, so thank you for this. You know, I believe that the work Trout Unlimited Canada and similar organizations do really, at its core, connects people to aquatic systems. And if we look back in time historically, people had a much tighter connection to their waterways, to lakes, rivers, streams, and I think a greater understanding of the value and impact that they had on our lives. And as communities change and grow and, and innovate, we kind of separate ourselves from the ecological world, but our reliance on them has not changed and our need for them has not changed. And I think we're having a little bit of an awakening now as we better understand how a healthy aquatic ecosystems or healthy environments, period, can positively impact our health, our well-being. our creativity, our add value to our life in in a multitude of ways. And so I think we're regaining an appreciation. And I think it's important now that we regain that connection and that we better understand that without healthy aquatic systems, our communities won't function in the long term the ecological goods and services provided are key to not only the functioning of our communities, but the health and well-being and the future of our communities.
1: Right. So it's a way of life, whether historically the way we settled around uh, waterways across the world, or whether it's a way of life now banding together to protect the water that's going to support life. It's uh, It's definitely a philosophy of the world and I think something that we can definitely work together on to move forward. This show is called Food for the Future and how does Tread Unlimited Canada's community help build a brighter way forward for us all together?
0: Uh, Tread Unlimited Canada together with the communities that that we serve and the communities that support us, build systems that are resilient, systems that support communities moving forward. And so I think together, we're building a situation where communities can be healthier, can grow, and can realize more benefits from a healthy ecosystem that feed not just the community, but the individuals. And so together, we are building that future.
1: What a great message. And, you know, in so many ways, a time to be inspired by the founders, six anglers 50 years ago said, Hey, let's do something. And so some days are better than others, but there's lots of times we can feel overwhelmed. But when we look at, if we're talking about protecting our waterways, what six people decided to do, and here we are, what could we do, you know, uh, for our family, for our community and out on from there uh, to the world. I think that's just such a positive message. And thank you for that, Sylvia. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners?
0: Sure, I, I would. I you know, I think in Canada we we have a false sense of security in our water. We believe we have a lot of water and we do. We believe we have a lot of healthy water and that's I think a little bit of a stretch. But the really good news is we live in a country that is healthy with imagination, knowledge, resources, and a will to do something. And so I think we take advantage of those opportunities and we take advantage of the Canadian community's interest in making the world a better place. And we apply all those amazing resources we have here in Canada to ensure the protection and longevity of our aquatic resources that are critical to healthy Canadian communities.
1: Thank you so much for that, Sylvia. There's really nothing to follow up with that statement you've said at all. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. And thank you, Sylvia, for sharing your expertise and dedication today. You and everyone at the Trout Unlimited Canada team for all the work that you're doing. It's very encouraging.
0: Thank you so much for having me today.
1: Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Sylvia D'Amelio, Chief Executive Officer at Trout Unlimited Canada, about the ways individuals and communities collaborate to protect our freshwater ecosystems for future generations. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? What could you do to help protect our freshwater ecosystem? Something to do? Search Trout Unlimited Canada to learn about inspiring conservation projects, educational resources, and much more. Next week on the show, we return to the monthly series, Food for Thought. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbrae Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca.